was in kind of a weird mindset on Saturday. Waking up on Saturday, it's bowl season for those of you that don't know. It's college football bowl season. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't know and you were listening to this podcast. It'd be weird if you didn't know. But for those that don't know, it is college football bowl season and it all kicked off uh, early Saturday morning with the beautiful, uh, the beautiful Myrtle Beach Bowl. Something I never thought in a million bajillion years that I would actually be watching. And I woke up at 10 a.m. I threw on the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, it was Georgia Southern versus Ohio. And I was I, I, I was invested, I guess is what I, sh- I should say. I was invested. I wasn't necessarily into it, obviously, because it's not the greatest football competition in the world. But I was invested because I wanted to put something... I wanted to create some sort of investment in bowl season to see if I could gr- get some more entertainment out of um, these bowl games that I have not had uh, for years now. So I, I, I joined a pick em pool uh, on, I, I put some money down in a pick em pool, picked all the bowl games, or I guess the bowl games that were given. Uh, I think it was how many, there's what 40 bowl games now. I think there's 35 bowl games you could have picked from. So I picked 35 bowl games and uh, Georgia Southern versus Ohio was the first one. And Georgia Southern was getting blown out in that game and their quarterback could not stop turning the ball over. And I never thought I would be like, are you, you know, like actually getting angry at what I was watching? Cause I picked Georgia Southern, lots of Ohio players were hitting the transfer portal or were out or whatever. Georgia Southern players, a lot were still playing in this bowl game. This was actually, you know, for Georgia Southern, a huge game for them, obviously for lower schools like that or smaller schools, not lower, smaller schools like that. Uh, the bowl games actually mean a lot to them. Like look at Jacksonville state. That was a huge win. They played in the RNL carriers bowl, which I cannot get over. They're just going to get like the bowl game names are just going to keep getting more and more ridiculous. And Honestly, the more they lean into it, the more I respect it just because in the RNL Carriers Bowl, I think has been ever been around forever at this point. Like I think they've been doing that game in in, um, New Orleans forever. Um, But there's plenty of like the L.A. Bowl is just so like up like it's so ridiculous. Like and that's not even a long name, but it's just stupid. Uh, It's the L.A. Bowl presented by Gronk or whatever. And it was Boise State versus UCLA in that game. And it was just completely ridiculous. Um, but anyways, back to the Myrtle beach bowl is another one, a great one. The Myrtle beach bowl. Um, I was invested in this game. Uh, Georgia Southern was just getting blown out. And I was like, are you serious? Georgia? Southern? This is the biggest game of your guys. See, y'all don't even show up. And you know, it's, it's stupid because it's like, you know, it's just a dumb game. It's the Myrtle beach bowl. And Ohio came out and they played very well. I was very impressed. I will say I discovered something that i this is why you come to these bowl games or watch these bowl games for moments like these. I was watching this game and the announcers whose names I don't have off the top of my head. I did not write them down. I apologize. They did a pretty good job. I was actually pretty uh, impressed with the announcers in this game because, you know, ESPN, they're going to be short staffed for a lot of these games because they're all, you know, within a couple days of each other or whatever over the next few weeks where you have, uh, you know, four games on one day and then, you know, five games the next day. So announcers may be a little bit hard to come to buy. But uh, on Saturday, they did a pretty good job. The the Myrtle Beach Bowl announcers, whose names I don't have, I apologize. Um, but they did a pretty good job. And then they were talking about the offensive line of Georgia Southern. And this moment right here was why you have these bowl games. This was the moment where I was like, okay, I get it now. Uh, Georgia Southern has a offensive lineman on their team. Uh, he's a redshirt senior and his name, this is going to be his last game. I believe that 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 was his last game of his collegiate career. I don't know if he's going to have any NFL prospects or anything like that. At the very least, this could be his very final game uh, in suiting up in any sort of football fashion. And the world was introduced to him 
and his name was Parker Titsworth. And he wore number 69. And I was like, you know what? It's moments like these that really keep the magic of bowl season around. You know, yeah, you, you, you come in watching Georgia Southern versus Ohio. No reason to watch this game at any other point in the season other than the fact that it's just the Myrtle Beach Bowl. It's for some reason important because it's a bowl game, even though like I, the people of Myrtle Beach barely showed up. Clearly, if you go and watch back that game, it's basically most it's mostly people that, it, uh, you know, were I don't even know in the area of Myrtle Beach that were Ohio fans or Georgia fans, Georgia Southern fans that showed up to that game like they didn't even have the upper deck open uh, for for audience members or whatever for fans to come and watch the game. It was basically all lower bowl. And that was about it. But you get those moments where you're introduced by a guy to a guy by the name of Parker Titsworth, who wears a number 69 and plays on the offensive line of Georgia Southern. And that right there, that's that's bowl game. That's bowl game season right there. That's that's what you got to love about bowl game season. I will say there has to be like a huge collective of NIL opportunities for a guy by the name of Parker Titsworth. Like, I don't know what it could be. It could be plastic surgeon, it, like plastic surgeons coming to him being like, hey, we just want you. Hey, I'm Parker Titsworth. Come to blank to, you know, for all your plastic surgery needs or uh, a exotic dance club. Another one. Very, very opportune uh, spot to do that there uh, with uh, Parker Titsworth being the guy to shout out your exotic dance club. I don't know. And like, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Just because the name's funny. Like, if the name is hilarious. I, that could be a fake name, and I wouldn't be stunned. That could be his his uh, his fake name that he uses to go into, uh, like, check into hotels or whatever, because he could be someone famous, and that is the name that I would come up off the top of my head and be like, nobody's going to believe this, but this is really my real, this is the name I'm going to go in there with and hit that, that's his real name. God, I love, that's bowl season for you. And I don't love bowl season, but it's moments like that. Where I'm like, I get why people love bowl season. Like, I get it now because it's just, you know, Georgia Southern that probably haven't had a whole lot of uh, ESPN time or national televised game time or anything like that this entire season. Uh, Ohio as well, but mainly Georgia Southern. Uh, and here they are, nationally televised game, ESPN, 10 o'clock, what has been prime, not maybe not prime time, but the opening kickoff time for every other game so far this season. Um, and they're right there, and we get introduced to a guy by the name of Parker Titsworth on the offensive line for Georgia Southern, wearing number 69, and my day just got better. It was a good day, a good day to re- find that out. It was awesome. It was, what a time to be alive. Um, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Rep Podcast. I'm your host, James Timberlake. Uh, please remember to rate this podcast wherever you get it on your podcasting platforms. I'd greatly appreciate that. Five-star rating would be greatly appreciated as well. Would, I mean, if it's four stars, I'm okay with that. It's whatever. Three stars, it's a little bit, it's getting a little personal. Like, all right, I'm like, like why? What, what, did I, what have I done wrong? Two stars, it's like, okay, you just don't like me. One star, you're at this point, at this point, you know, like, why are you even here? Like, that's kind of where it is. So, you know, four to five star, greatly appreciate that. That'd be perfect. Um, if, if you don't leave a rating, that's okay, too. Just listen to the show. I'd appreciate that. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. Come back next week. We're here all the time. We're here every most of the weeks out of the year, almost every single week out of the year. Uh, I will say programming note, I no show next week because of the Christmas holiday. Going to take that week off, recharge the old batteries, if you will, uh, and uh, we'll be back the week after. Um, it'll be on a Tuesday, though, I believe, because we'll have um, that 
Monday off because it's New Year's Day. Um, so we'll have that uploaded on Tuesday. Uh, if you haven't realized yet, if you're not a a uh, uh, if you have not been listening, then uh, obviously I have been posting these more on Monday than I have been on Tuesday. I typically post them on Tuesday, but I'm trying to get in the groove of maybe posting on Monday more often. Anyways, you know it's all programming stuff. But for next week, just so you know, we will not have an episode next week. We're going to take the week off for a Christmas holiday. Merry Christmas to you and yours, whatever. Happy holidays, whatever it may be you celebrate. It's just a great time of year. Merry, happy holidays, whatever. You know, have a good time. So we're going to take the week off. We'll be back the week after that uh, for the New Year's week and talking. That'll be... Uh, college football playoff time. We'll be talking college football playoff at that point. Um, okay, let's get into some sports stuff. I wanted to talk really quickly as more or less an intro to the show about the Chargers. And if you weren't aware, they had a disaster of a game against the Raiders on Thursday. I've never really seen a professional football team quit. Um, and I'm not really blaming them by any means because it's kind of, it felt like that train was you know, kind of rocking on and off the rails all season. Like a lot of the sheen at this point of Brandon Staley has worn off. We thought he was super innovative and stuff when he was going for uh, like fourth down, uh, fourth down and twos on the 55 yard line or on the, on his own 45 yard line. We thought he was crazily innovative on that, but now the sheen is kind of worn off of him at that point. Uh, even heading into Thursday's game, we were like, this is like, we, it feels like this is kind of the, he can, play the rest of the season or he can head coach the rest of the season out, but it feels like it's, you know, it's, it's over or like, this is the, the last season we're going to get a Brandon Staley with the chargers. Uh, but then Thursday happened and they lost 63 to 21. And I know what you're thinking. That's kind of an odd score, isn't it, James? It is an odd score. You're right. Uh, we haven't seen very many of those in the NFL ever. It feels like. And in fact, 63 to 21 is a score that um, maybe that that we have not seen ever, and uh, you know what that means. It's more like a, I, it's kind of a sad score, Gami. I guess you know, but we're still dancing. You know, we're still grooving, even though it's kind of sad. That's right, 63-21, first time that score has ever happened in the history of the NFL. It did cause some jobs to be lost, which is kind of kind of weird to be playing this music behind. Brandon Daly got fired, the GM for the Chargers got fired as well, but, I mean, we celebrate the score gummies. I don't know what you want here, so... Here we are jamming out a little bit. I apologize to Brandon Staley. I apologize to, I can't remember who was the Chargers GM that I can't remember off the top of my head now. Chargers GM, his name was Tom Telesco. Been there since 2013. I apologize. This is kind of awkward, but we can't break the rules. Just get the, get the grooves going. All right, anyways, sorry to sorry to Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco. They did lose their jobs after that loss. Um, again, it kind of felt like they were going to let Brandon Staley write it out. I didn't think Tom Telesco, his job was ever in jeopardy. I mean, it was understandable because some of the development that we've gotten from that team, especially over the last five years in terms of draft product and then into develop, development into you know a very good player has been very questionable. He had, Telesco had a very good early run in terms of drafting prospects um, from 2013 to 2017, 2018 even. Guys like Joey Bosa, um, Keenan Allen, Derwin James was in one of these draft classes. 
Uh, Mike Williams, who, you know, he's, he's had the injury bug obviously bite him a lot, but he's been one of those guys that looked like they could be one of the, uh, at the very least, a very good number two receiver if he could stay healthy. Um, but then something shifted, something changed. They got Herbert in 2020, uh, as a first round pick, but outside of Herbert, basically from 2019 on after that, um, and outside of Herbert and I'll say Rashawn Slater, Sante Samuel Jr. as well. He's shown flashes uh, and Rashawn Slater has, you know, when he stays healthy as well, I think can be one of the best um, offensive linemen, offensive tackles in the NFL. But outside of that, there has been some very questionable um, draft choices up at the top. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, the entire draft selections um, that have been very questionable for the Chargers since 2018 outside of Herbert Slater and Asante Samuel. And they really haven't been very good at developing, especially on the defensive side of the ball, developing a lot of guys that can really, um, you know, come in to replace guys like Derwin James that replaces. And that's maybe a little too quick, um, but, you know, back up at the very least Derwin James, because Derwin James is also somebody that has struggled with the injury bug throughout his career. And there's never really been anybody that felt comfortable being that backup guy or really anybody on that defensive side that has really developed into somebody outside of Derwin James from 2018, um, a pro bowl type player uh, or an all pro type player on the defensive side. So, I mean, it's, it's understandable, but I, you know, you, you don't see guys with his track record, especially, you know, 2013 to 2017 uh, in terms of draft quote unquote success. Got guys like Jason Barrett in there who had a very, uh, had, I mean, not necessarily with, um, uh, the Chargers, but turned out to be a pretty solid player that the 49ers were messing around with. Um, Keenan Allen, obviously, probably going to go down as a Hall of Famer by the time he's done. Uh, and then you got guys like uh, Melvin Gordon, who's had his time uh, with uh, when he was with the Chargers and then moved on to the Broncos as well. He was very good, but that entire position came very muddled and kind of, you know, not so great after that. But Denzel Perryman, Joey Bosa, who has obviously been one of the best pass rushers in the league since he's been in. Uh, when he can stay healthy, Desmond King has been a pretty solid pickup uh, out of Iowa since uh, since he's been in the league in 2017. And uh, anyways, the list goes on there. But, you know, you know, ever since it feels like 2018 uh, outside of that Justin Herbert pick, it's not necessarily mind blowing um, that that he lost his job, even though, you know, I, I was surprised by it. I didn't think that uh, that they would be firing uh, their GM as well as their head coach. But I thought Brandon Steely was. Not the sole reason for their struggles, but definitely felt like there was something that was causing them to not be able to make the leap with a guy like Justin Herbert at quarterback. Like that team should be so much better than it is. And I think in mainly just because of Justin Herbert, um, I, I think a lot of people, me included, I think we kind of overrated their um, their roster at the start of the year. Like I said, me included. I thought that team was going to be a lot better with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, when they, if they could finally stay healthy, Derwin James as well. And it seems like at this point, they just it, that entire team outside of Justin Herbert um, has really started to kind of show their age. Joey, uh, Joey Bosa as well is still pretty young. Um, but outside of those guys, it really started to age out of being one of the better rosters in the NFL and it's really started to show and then Quentin Johnson the first round pick this year has not panned out whatsoever as a wide receiver and I kind of wonder if that selection alone was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back at this point because of I guess how abundantly clear that that you know Quentin Johnson can you know very easily turn his career around I'm not saying this is the end all be all but that you know he compared to what is around him and what was selected around him uh, has really turned out to be kind of a mess. If you look at the yards leaders of players that were drafted in 2023 
behind Quentin Johnson. It goes Puka Nakua, who's been a godsend. He was picked in the fifth round, but I mean, he's been one of the best, uh, if not the best uh, rookie player this season. Jordan Addison, Sam Laporta, who's a tight end. Uh, Rasheed Rice, Tankdale, uh, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Jaden Reed, Dalton Kincaid, also a tight end. Um, Dontavian Wicks, Demario Douglas, Michael Wilson, Jonathan Mingo are all guys that were behind, selected behind Quentin Johnson, but have higher, uh, more yards than him and uh, more receptions as well. So, you know, uh, that that's a, a bad look, obviously, if you are a GM in that scenario. And again, it feels like it's probably more than likely just the straw that broke the camel's back, um, among other things, obviously, like the development as well uh, around the other guys, including Quentin Johnson and some of the other young guys um, that have come through the draft since 2018 in L.A. Uh, and then the, the roster construction just has not... Uh, it's aged poorly, I would say. There's been a lot of injury concerns, and they have not put enough around Justin Herbert, I think, to really let that team excel in Justin Herbert's hands. And Brandon Staley is part of the problem in that situation as well. Um, he just has not been able to develop not just Justin Herbert, but uh, a game plan around him that has allowed him to be, you know, one of the best passers in. Uh, and he already he is just out of natural talent one of the best passers in the game, uh, one of the best, uh, you know, play uh, recognition players in the game in terms of defensive recognition, putting balls in places that are obscene uh, that only really he could make outside of maybe one or two other guys, but with his arm talent and his ability to throw the ball, maybe one or two other players can make. But I made, I'm thinking of a comparison when it comes to just generally quarterbacks, drafting, uh, drafting players, and... Uh, you know, getting it correct during draft day and also network television. When I think of the NFL draft uh, in general, I think of the idea that you're going to hit on maybe, you know, if you have a one selection per round in a seven round draft, you're going to hit on maybe, maybe like this is a strong, maybe a good draft is hitting on three to four guys in that draft that become starters um, you know, solid rotational players that they're higher up, higher up picks than, you know, guys that end up being not necessarily stars, but frequent starters on their team, Pro Bowl selections and so on and so forth. If you're lower in the draft, guys that you pick up that are, you know, frequent rotational players that have a strong uh, that are consistently in the lineup playing, maybe not starters, but, you know, consistently in the lineup and making a difference as rotational players. Um and it reminds me of network television because you just have to hit and the QB position is your holy grail, obviously. Um, but for network television, you have to you have and Netflix as a and streaming services in general are starting to kind of mold themselves into this model as well. Um, but you just have to hit on one show, like one, maybe two shows that'll have eight to nine seasons procedural procedural shows, whether it be, you know, your big bang theory, your friends, your Seinfeld, that sort of thing. Um, that get enough viewers that come in week in, week out that will set you up for life. And you just have to hit on one of those and you are good for the rest of your life as an executive. You're chilling for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about money ever again for the most part. Um, and you just have to hit on one, which is why they throw out, you know, 35 shows a year. It feels like on network television, just, a bunch of different stuff. Hey, maybe one of these are going to stick. And if one of them sticks, then we're good for a, a decent amount of time, eight to nine seasons. That's the Holy grail. The NFL draft is kind of like that. Uh, drafting 
And evaluating talent in the NFL is kind of like that, especially at the QB position, um, but also in every other position as well. You just have to hit on two, three guys, two guys. You're doing a very good job in your draft. You will look back on your draft and be like, okay, that was a very solid draft, especially if they turn out to be pro bowlers or all pro players. If you get one all pro player out of a draft, then that is a good draft. Like that is a very solid draft. If you get two all pro players out of one draft, that is a one of the great drafts of the last 10 years, essentially. Um, and if for NFL drafts like that, you are hitting on one guy and that is basically the hope. And it will buy you time as a GM or a coach if you are able to hit on, especially at the quarterback position. If you were to, if you were able to hit on a quarterback that turns out to be a very good quarterback, a superstar of a quarterback, you will be in that position as a GM slash head coach because they both end up making these decisions. Uh, you will be in those positions for a very long time if you hit on the quarterback position and make a correct decision at that spot. Um, and I think that. Is and, and you know I think that the, the the Chargers job is also kind of an outlier. And Brandon Staley is maybe an outlier on that as well because you know they hit on Justin Herbert obviously, um, and they had showed you know inklings of being a very decent football team. They were hitting in the wild card not too and was it last year in the wild card game last year had a very good chance to win that game against they should have won that game against Jacksonville last year in the wild card blew a what was it twenty one point second half lead or something like that twenty seven point second half lead uh, and ended up losing it and it felt like the trajectory is up from there possibly competing for a divisional title in the AFC West. But, you know, the the downfall came when that team was just not um, performing up to standard and how good they should be, I guess. Um, but for the most part, a lot of those drafts, if you hit on a quarterback like that, just look at some of the coaches that have been able to keep their, not, in, not that they're bad coaches by any means or anything like that, but um, guys that maybe we had never heard of or weren't, you know, longtime coaches beforehand, uh, guys like Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, a guy that had no coaching uh, experience before. He came in before having Joe Burrow, and he go he goes like what I think when six games total in his first two seasons they draft Joe Burrow. Guess what? AFC champions in their first year as a wild card team come back a year later, go thirteen and three or whatever it was, go into the AFC championship again. Guess what? Zach Taylor has a job for probably the next ten years, not necessarily at Cincinnati, uh, but probably the next ten years in the NFL, just because. Of the fact that people will see him and be like, oh, this is the guy that picked Joe Burrow in that, you know, one of the easiest selections in the history. Not just Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase as well, um, but one of the easiest selections uh, in the history of the NFL draft. He got it right. Guess what? He's going to have a job for a very long time. Another example, Mike McCarthy. Uh, he didn't draft Aaron Rodgers, but whoa, you come in 2006, craft an offense around Aaron Rodgers, and within three years, you go to a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, win a Super Bowl. Guess what? You have a job for the next 20 years, it feels like, or whatever it is. Within within four years, I guess is what I should say. One in 2010, came in in 2006, won the Super Bowl in 2010. Guess what? You have a job for the next however long you go. You know, And I'm not saying it's all you know, just the quarterbacks doing this. The coaches have something uh, to say about are, are responsible for what they're doing as well, obviously. But, you know, the, the amount of success that is tied around that one position more so than any other sport uh, and any other position in any other sport is very interesting because if you are a head coach or a GM or what have you that can draft a quarterback correctly or even just have a couple of good Drafts in a row where you're drafting good players, um, you know, in multiple, you know, in position areas of the field, whether it be wide receiver, even cornerback, safety, you know, wherever it is. If you're having those types of drafts, then you are going to be set for 
life. You're not going to have to worry about having to not ever find a job ever again. Look at Mike McCarthy. And no offense to Mike McCarthy. I'm just picking on him as an example. Another one is Sean Payton. He's a perfect example as well. Comes in in 2006. Um, trades for the Saints. Trade for Sean Payton. Or Sean Payton, excuse me. For Drew Brees. Well, having Sean Payton as their head coach. Crafts an offense around Drew Brees. And guess what? They win a Super Bowl in 2009. And he's going to have a job for the rest as he for as long as he wants one. That is how long he's going to have one. Another one, Ron Rivera, uh, when he was at Carolina, they go, they get Cam Newton the same year he is hired. Uh, he spits out a couple of kind of not great seasons, and then he has a 15-1 and one season, goes to the Super Bowl. Guess what? Ron Rivera is going to be a head coach. Well, we'll see how much longer in Washington because I don't think it's working out very well. Um, but he, he's going to have a job in the NFL wherever he wants. From here on out, if he wants to be a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, a defensive assistant, head coach, whatever. Somebody is going to hire Ron Rivera. And that is basically because he hit. He hit on one draft selection. Him and his GM hit on one draft selection, that being Cam Newton. Uh, Sean Payton made the right decision going to New Orleans and hitting on uh, Drew Brees, getting that trade correct. And they go on. Drew Brees has one of the greatest careers as a, uh, as a quarterback in the history of the NFL. Guess what? Sean Payton's going to have a career for the rest of his life. Mike McCarthy crafted Aaron Rodgers into what he is basically today. You know, some differences here and there, obviously, but Mike McCarthy is going to have a job for the rest of his career, whether, no matter what it is, offensive coordinator, head coach, whatever it is, there is nothing more tied to a position than head coach and quarterback than in any other sport, period. No questions asked. That is just how it works. And it reminds me so much of just network television, where if you hit on one TV show, just one, one correct TV show that is on, uh, you know, on ABC every weekday at three o'clock in the afternoon, you throw on three episodes a day on of Friends on ABC at three o'clock in the afternoon. That executive, whoever pitched uh, Friends or whatever, is sitting there, going to have an opportunity for the rest of his life to pitch whatever he wants. And that's just kind of how it works. There's not that much of a difference, to be honest with you, than uh, for from network television and head coaching jobs or GM jobs in the NFL. You just have to hit on one. You have to hit on one draft. You have to hit on one quarterback. You have to hit uh, maybe a couple drafts together if you're not drafting a QB. But if you put a couple drafts together, you could be a GM or a head coach for a very long time in this league. And that's just kind of how it works. It reminds me a ton of network television. That's just how it is. It's interesting. Okay. Let's move on. I want to talk some NBA really quickly after this. Have you visited Alpine Climate Control showroom? They have fireplace features, furnaces, outdoor fire pits, and pizza ovens that are all hooked up and working so you can see exactly how they all function before you buy. They also have outdoor seating, heat, and lights available. Stop by Alpine Climate Control and visit the showroom today. The showroom is open weekdays from 8.30 until 4.30 and every Saturday from 10 until 4. Alpine Climate Control located at 2705 Coffeen Avenue in Sheridan and online at alpineclimatecontrol.com. All right. If you haven't been paying attention to the NBA, there is some very funny stuff going on over there in the NBA. I get it if you're not paying attention. The IST, I think, was a very big success, by the way, in the in-season tournament. Uh, was very fun to watch. It really, I think, turned Tyrese Halliburton, even though he's a very good player. I think Tyrese Halliburton is a superstar in this league now because of the in-season tournament. He's very good. Uh, he was going to eventually become a superstardom uh, because he is very good at what he does. But he's, you know, a very reasonable discussion to be had about MVP discussions for him. That offense is one of the best offenses in the league. And Tyrese Halliburton is at the focal point. But because of how nationally televised, televised the in-season tournament is, he has become kind of a household name. Uh, as a superstar in Indiana, which without the in-season tournament, I don't know how quickly that would have happened. I do think it was going to happen eventually, but 
there was something to be said about how quickly it did happen because of how successful Indiana was in the in-season tournament, and how well they played in the in-season tournament, get all the way to the to the final and then lose to um to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, but I think it was very good success. I think it was a ton of fun to watch. I could do without the courts. Again, it's not necessarily made for us. It's kind of made for the children, kind of made for them kiddos. Hey, I see this super bright, shiny thing. Wow, I'm going to keep my eyes on it. That's kind of how kids think at this point. You know, that's just kind of how it works. So they put the courts in there, make it look all special or whatever. And, you know, whatever. I, I got over it after a few games. But still, uh, I, the correct decision by Adam Silver. I wish more teams would do an in-season tournament. I think the MLB could to, could uh, the MLB could could gather greatly. Uh, they they could succeed greatly with an in-season tournament of that kind with 162 games. A lot of people are checking out at 81. I'll be honest with you, 81 games in, you kind of know how your team's going to look. And if it's not great, then you get a lot of people checking out. That's just kind of how it works. And if there's some sort of in-season tournament that could, uh, could work that way, I think, uh, I think the MLB might be the next one to kind of take that step in that direction as well. I think that'd be a ton of fun to watch. Um, anyways, a lot of fun things that are happening in the NBA right now. Funnier, funny things, not necessarily fun things, funny things. Uh, the Pistons, if you have not been aware, I'm, I'm playing a dangerous game here because they do play tonight. Um, but currently, and tonight being Monday, Monday the 18th, currently the Pistons have a, and this is not a joke, this is not a typo, they have, tw- they have lost 23 games in a row. They have not won since October 29th, or don't, excuse me, October 28th of 2023. They've lost 29 games in a row. Uh, an insane streak. Here are some things that were going on the last time the Detroit Pistons won. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they just tied the World Series at one game apiece, winning game two against the Rangers. That was still the World Series was still going on in full swing. Uh, and the Pistons just beat the Bulls for their second win of the year. Since then, they've lost 23 in a row, uh, 23 in a row, and they're two and 23 on the season. They started off the year uh, two and one, if I remember correctly, after that win against the Bulls on October 28th. And then have riled off two or have, have riled off twenty three straight losses. They're two and twenty four on the season now. And uh, last time they won, the Diamondbacks had just tied the World Series at one game apiece after Game Two against the Rangers. Georgia Tech, uh, the football team, the Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech is it Yellow Jackets? Is that right? Georgia Tech. They just upset North Carolina. Kansas. They just upset Oklahoma. Uh, that was coming off that Saturday. Uh, that same Saturday is when the Pistons beat the Bulls. Uh, and uh, Kansas upset Oklahoma, and Georgia Tech upset North Carolina, and the Jets just beat in Week 8, beat the Giants to move to 4-3 and three on the season. That feels like light years ago at this point. After watching last week, or I guess this past Sunday, literally yesterday, um, that feels like light years ago, watching the Jets, who were 4-3 and three at the time on October 20, uh, 28th, 29th, I guess, um, and now seeing them, seeing them now, they just got eliminated from playoff contention and got shut out thirty to nothing by the Miami Dolphins. It's crazy how much time can really change a whole lot of things. Looking at the really a quick aside, if you will, there is not kind of a like a, a funnier smash cut, I think, than seeing Aaron Rodgers like looking at that first game and how patriotic it was. Obviously, because it was on nine eleven, so you know, and it was in New York, it was the Jets. Uh, in at MetLife, so it was super patriotic. Seeing him come out to the 50-yard line with the American flag and stuff like that, it was very cool. Smash cut to where he is now. Took four plays. His season is over. His season was over, and now the Jets are what are they five and eleven or whatever it is, uh, and their season is also over. It's just that smash cut of him running at to midfield, 
having some sort of inkling of hope for Jets fans, just giving them that little bit of hope surrounded by the patriotism of uh, what has become the 9-11 ceremony, I guess, uh, and remembrance of that day, smash cut to Aaron Rodgers standing on the sideline, being in full disgust uh, after he tore his Achilles four plays into the season, and the and the Jets are now 5-11 and 11 or whatever. I don't even know what it is off the top, man. They're 5-something. and something. They're terrible. Uh, and that's just, that's just a, a really, really funny, a really funny smash cut to have that side-by-side side with how terrible... They have been the season. They're five and nine, not five and eleven. Uh, five and nine on the season so far. So they won. They beat the Giants four to move to four and three on the season. That was back on October 29th. Uh, and they have uh, won one game since then. And that is one less game than the Detroit Pit- Pistons have won. Or excuse me, actually, one game since then. They've won one more game than the Pistons have since then. They've won one more game than the Pistons have since then. The Pistons have not won since October 28th. And the Jets have won one single game, and that is one more than the Pistons have won since then. And they are with them being on a 23-game losing streak. It is uh, funny stuff. It's really funny going. On. It, it's some funny stuff going on. They're chasing the, uh, I believe it was the Sixers of 2008, 2009, like right around then when it was like truly a tankathon for the tankathon for the the 76ers. They were uh, all well on their way to break the uh, have the worst record in the history of the NBA. I think they lost 28 in a row that season or something like that. Um, and the Pistons are chasing that to try to not beat that. I guess so. They're at 23 in a row right now, trying to not get to 28 in a row. The record is 28. If they wanted to tie it, they have a couple games there. They play the Hawks tonight. That is a very winnable game. Uh, the the Hawks have not looked very good over the last few weeks as well. Just in general, they haven't looked great this season either. So it is a winnable game. It is a winnable game. They're on the road. Makes it more tough, but you know it is a winnable game. Then they take on the Jazz. That's a winnable game as well. Two Nets games back to back. That makes it a little bit more difficult. Then they got the Celtics. That's a loss, I would say. Uh, then they have the Raptors. That's probably a loss. The Rockets, who have looked pretty good this season, honestly, especially at home. They get the 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 Rockets at home on January 1st. That's probably a loss. And then they get the Jazz again. Who knows in that game? Warriors, Nuggets, probably two losses on the road. Kings, probably a loss at home. And then the Spurs, that's the big one. They get the Spurs January 10th. I don't even know where they would be. If they were to lose the next, what is it? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, uh, 9, 10, 11, 11 games in a row. That would put them well over the record, obviously. But... They will probably, I mean, they're going to be an underdogs in all of these games, but the closest in terms of spread that they're going to get uh, over these next 11 games is probably going to be the Spurs game back on on, uh, on January 10th because the Spurs have not looked very good either, honestly. They've looked pretty much terrible. Um, so we'll see. I, I think the Pistons are going to win one of these games. They might even beat the Hawks tonight, and this is going to look like a really dumb segment, and I'm going to have to capitulate and look like an idiot. But... I'm I'm really rooting for the I'm really rooting for the Hawks tonight. I I can't I can't put this out and then have the Hawks win or the the Pistons win and I just look like an idiot. So we need the Hawks to win tonight, please Hawks. Please don't make this a funny segment. Unironically, a funny segment. I'm really rooting for the Hawks tonight. Uh, there is no funnier team outside of the Pistons right now to watch than the Washington Wizards. That is a hilarious team to watch. Jordan Poole is just uh, not. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. The one of the funniest guys in the league. Just some of the stuff he does is just just idiotic in terms of shot selection. Kyle Kuzma is another one of those guys as well. Just idiotic shot selection. They do um, nothing very well, to be honest with you. They, especially on the defensive side of the ball, if the ball 
if they are uh, if there's somebody driving into the paint, they're just like, all right, we'll give that one up. If the ball comes down, then maybe we'll go for a rebound because they're really bad at defensive rebounding and they're really bad at putting uh, letting teams score in the paint as well. Um, but just a really funny team, just a really funny team to watch, just because they're just doing just stupid stuff. Jordan Poole, the Warriors dodged a bullet with that one. They dodged a bullet with Jordan Poole. He has been one of the worst plus minus players in the entire league this year. Um, he's putting up some decent numbers, but with some of the slot slot selection that he has and uh, defensively, he's just, you know, doesn't do anything defensively. The Warriors truly, truly dodged a bullet with that one, not signing him to a large contract because he was trying, he was vying for one when he had a really good finals uh, against the, who was, that, who was it against? Was that against uh, the Celtics? If I remember correctly. He had a pretty good uh, finals against the Celtics, if I remember correctly. Um, and that was kind of putting him on the, you know, on the path of being the next, one of the next good guys out of the Warriors. Then, the punch with Draymond happened. That became a whole thing. Uh, and then they decided to get rid of um, Poole, let him go to the war to the, uh, to the wizards, excuse me. And that was the right move. That was the right move. Now, with that being said, the warriors, I don't, it, they might not be dead dead. They might not officially be dead, but the old, the warriors of old are definitely gone. Um, Clay Thompson has, is aging right out of of his spot on that team aging right out of a good contract of that team he's 33 years old um his legs are looking like they're really starting to go because of all the lower body injuries he's had throughout his career um and it just looks like it's really starting to have a bad effect on him Andrew Wiggins has just completely disappeared been one of the worst rotational players in the entire NBA so far this season uh, and then Draymond Green is just doing Draymond Green stuff his antics if you're winning his antics are seen like something that are of value. He's the guy, you know, the the guy that will do all the dirty work for you. You know, be the dirty guy on that team. A Scotty Pip, or excuse me, a, a Dennis Rodman of sorts. But if you're losing, and you're becoming the reason that you're losing, uh, that your team is losing, then it just looks idiotic. And that's kind of where we are with Draymond Green at this point. At this point, he's just doing stuff that is literally costing them games, and it is hurting his team because they are not that team anymore. And his antics because that team is not as good to make up for the spots that he is uh, causing problems in. It is costing them games and costing them wins in those situations. And he just got suspended indefinitely. Uh, apparently, according to some reports, it's going to be over the next three weeks is going to be gone. Um, and that is going to cost the Warriors games and put them in a very tough position. They're already 11. They're sitting at 11th in the Western conference. And it doesn't seem like they're going to be a team that. Uh, is going to dig out of the hole, at least right now. Uh, you know, there could be some, and you know, Steph Curry's still a very good player. Uh, you know, it's not like he's been necessarily the problem, but you know, there have been times where Steph Curry's looked a little bit shaky, but um, for the most part, it feels like it's a lot of the other guys. I mean, Clay Thompson has, like I said, has been pretty rough and it feels like he's really starting to age out of that position. Andrew Wiggins just, just completely disappeared from that team and Draymond's just doing Draymond things. They really missed out on that first overall selection back in, um, when was that man? I, this feels like forever ago, 2019, 2018, something like that. I cannot remember. Uh, but when Steph got hurt, clay was hurt. Durant was hurt. They were all out for like the entire season. They were one of the worst teams in the league. It felt like they were going to be creating a, another dynasty with the first pick that they had. They selected James Wiseman, which turned out to be a very difficult and not a very good pick at all. He's now with the Detroit Pistons and he has been also one of the worst plus minus players in the entire league as well. So that, that, uh, that pick has not paid off. Chris Paul, I don't think has paid off very well uh, as the point guard. He's, you know, just kind of aged out of that being one of those focal point guys as well. And I don't think he's really helped their team all that much, especially defensively uh, as well. So the Warriors we're seeing 
I, I don't know if I want to say that the end of the dynasty is here, but it feels like it's knocking. You know, it's knocking on the door. The The end is is kind of knocking. It feels like this is, we're kind of seeing the end. Now, the Warriors, the other thing is that they're like a, a six-digit luxury tax bill or something ridiculous like that, uh, or seven-digit luxury tax bill, tax bill, which is going to be a big problem come when the taxman starts a coming. Um, but, you know, if they could make some trades for Clay Thompson, there are teams out there that will trade for a guy like Clay Thompson, even Draymond Green. I think that is something that they should do. They should trade Clay Thompson. They should trade Draymond Green, try to get some more uh, younger players around a guy like Steph, because I think Steph is somebody that they're going to keep forever. He's going to retire in a Warriors jersey. I don't think there's any scenario in which they get rid of Steph. Um, but I think there is still some value in those guys that they can get rid of and build around Steph with some younger, uh, a younger core as well, because that luxury tax bill, like I don't think they're going to sign Clay even after this year. They might get rid of him um, at the deadline, have him be a flyer for somebody else. But I don't see any scenario in which he resides with the Warriors at this point. I think he's either going to leave in the trade block or uh, be a free agent at the end of the season. I do not see a scenario in which he is with the Warriors next season. And then Clint, and then uh, Dream on Green as well. I think he, at this point, he's burned too many bridges, in my opinion. I think we are to a point where Dream on Green is probably going to be traded if he comes back out of this suspension. Seems like he's playing a lot more even-keeled. The Warriors are still struggling if they're to a point where they're still hovering around the, the 11th spot in the West or whatever, having really no shot to compete for a title or even, you know, out of the first round of the NBA uh, playoffs, then I think they will look to move Draymond Green as well and try to just improve for the next season, get rid of all a lot of the luxury tax problems that they're going to have and um, just, you know, get a core, a younger core for uh, Steph to maybe build around as well. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But yeah, that's just, there's some interesting stuff going on in the NBA right now. Funny stuff with the Pistons and the Wizards. Like, that's just comically some very good stuff going on. And then the Warriors, the end of an era, it feels like, is kind of upon us. Hello, my friends and fellow confidants. It is time now to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, I may have a bit of a hot take here, to be honest with you. I think there is no better way to watch a game of football, especially professional football, maybe even college football, than the comfort of your own home with your big TV, your own personal snacks. You know, you don't have to go to the concession stand to get a $9 hot dog paired with a $7.5 water. No, you can have your own water. You can make your own hot dogs at home and you can just sit there on your couch and watch football. You can't do any of that, though, without a home to do it in. And Jack and Kathleen Wood are the people to do it with at 307 Real Estate. They can help you at both buy and sell property that you are looking to list or purchase in the Sheridan area and beyond. They have been part of this community since 2004 when they first moved here. And ever since, they have been working to better the community and make it a more beautiful place to live. They are both ambassadors with the Chamber of Commerce, so they know this community like the back of their hand. So they are the people that you're going to want to talk to for all of your real estate needs, whether it be buying or selling. You've all heard the slogan, call Jack, get ready to pack. And you can call Jack at 307-763-1249 or Kathleen at 307-461-7203. That's Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Big thank you to them for sponsoring the show. All right, let's talk some NFL. I got to kind of do this pretty quickly, to be honest with you, because I am, uh, I've gone over on time a little bit here. I've gone a little bit over on time, but let's start with 
I think the most eye-opening game of the weekend, um, I don't think anybody will argue with that, Dallas and Buffalo. Buffalo playing like they are scraping their way in. They're going to do their best to try to get into the playoffs, and that's going to be a scary team in the AFC if they do end up getting in. Uh, they have a chance to win that division as well. they got to play Miami once again. They already have the tiebreaker over Miami. They'll be Miami once this year, and that is a team that can still very much win that division, uh, is in a very good position to still win that division as well. Uh, looking at the schedule, they already beat Miami once, like I said, uh, and they have Miami again week 18, the very last week of the year. Um, but Miami, looking at their schedule, they got a tough last two, last three game, or last two games before going against Buffalo. They got to play Dallas at home. Granted, Dallas, uh, I'll be honest with you, Dallas doesn't really scare me at all if I'm an NFC team. If I'm an NFC team, granted, if they get in, they'll probably, as it stands right now, uh, they'll be going on the road and taking on the Buccaneers, and that's a great matchup for uh, Dallas because that's not a team that can run the football very much well, very well at all. They're one of the worst running, uh, one of the worst teams at running the football uh, so far this season. But um, after that, I mean, that is a good luck good luck at that point after that if they're taking on the eagles or taking on the 49ers um even the lions uh there's not a position in which i'm feeling comfortable if i'm a uh, dallas cowboys fan unless i'm winning that division over the eagles uh because you get to play at home and that dallas cowboys team is a whole different team playing at home than it is on the road they cannot do anything on the road clearly as you have seen they just get beat up on the road uh and it's a completely different team but i digress they are uh the the dolphins are at home against that dallas cowboys team we'll see which cowboys team shows up again granted it's a it's a warm game. It'll be a warm game in beautiful Miami, so we'll see how much of a difference that actually ends up making. Uh, and then they, the Dolphins are at Baltimore. That's going to be a very interesting game to see. Uh, and then they take on the Buffalo Bills, whereas the Buffalo Bills, have a much easier schedule. They got two very winnable games back-to-back at the Chargers, which who knows what team is going to show up for that game. And then the Patriots, who they lost to the Patriots earlier this year, but that is obviously a game they will be favored in um, and should win against that Patriots team at home as well. And then they have the Dolphins at the end of the season on the road as well. So they already have the tiebreaker against the Dolphins. Uh, even if they end up losing that game to Miami, they uh, I, I don't know exactly how that tiebreaker works, to be honest. I can't remember how that tiebreaker works, but I think it goes by points scored. Uh, versus something like that. I can't remember how it works. Um, but, I, you know, a one-to-one versus, you know, like they, they're in a perfect position to basically control their own destiny at this point, especially looking at uh, Miami's schedule uh, over the next few weeks, obviously, against Baltimore and Dallas and then Buffalo versus the Buffalo's schedule, Los Angeles, the, the Chargers, and then the Patriots. Like uh, the the, the uh, Bills are sitting in a very good position. They seem to be, seem to have kind of figured a little something out against... Uh, with Joe Brady as offensive coordinator. I never thought Ken Dorsey was the problem at offensive coordinator, but they're doing something right. Like that run game against Dallas was just cooking. They were cooking, getting whatever they wanted on the ground. That was kind of the first time we'd seen that from Buffalo. Uh, it felt like Josh Allen was kind of, and James Cook has been pretty solid this year all the way around, um, but nothing like that. We hadn't seen anything like that out of their run game uh, this year. And uh, to see somebody kind of take the load off of Josh Allen I mean, Josh Allen only had 15 attempts throwing the football and then I had less than 100 yards through the air. So 
like Josh Allen, it felt like he didn't have to really do anything in that entire game, to be honest with you. James Cook had 25 carries, 179 yards, and a touchdown. And then even Ty Johnson had nine carries, 54 yards as well. So they, they basically just ran the football into the ground and were like, hey, Dallas, stop us. Like, do try. Try and stop us, which is not something we've seen from Buffalo, especially on the ground game like that. It feels like in a while, maybe ever. Not like that, anyways, uh, since Josh Allen has been there. It hasn't felt like that since Josh Allen has been there, where they were just like, we're going to take the ball out of Josh's hands, and we're just going to let our run game cook. We're just going to let them run the football. Um, and with, for Dallas, for, with Dallas, dude, I'll be honest with you, I don't think, I don't think no one is, like I said, I don't think no one is scared of Dallas when it comes to playoff time, especially when they are on the road. They are just not a good football team on the road. Uh, not nearly as good. Their offense is still, you know, there's still some inkling. But again, it's, it's far and away a different team at home. They have uh, throwing the football. Dak Prescott's got 2,200 yards through the air, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions uh, when throwing the football at home versus 1,500 yards. Uh, eight in, or eight touchdowns, five interceptions. He's been sacked 19 times uh, on the road. They have basically um, nearly double the amount of first downs that they do at home as they do um, on the road. Uh, and then their defense, obviously, is kind of a disaster. They allow a 93.8 quarterback rating on the road versus a 71.0 quarterback rating at home. Uh, they have given up 11 touchdowns through the air versus seven touchdowns through the air at home uh, and nine interceptions at home, four interceptions on the road. Uh, and then obviously rushing the football, they've given up nearly 400 more yards on the ground, uh, five more touchdowns on the ground, uh, nearly 25 more first downs on the ground uh, on the road than at home. So Dallas, I, I, there's definitely concerns to be had. I am a team. I, I'm going to I'm going to make the claim right now. This is this is the take of the day, if you will. I think Dallas, I think they beat. But I think if again, if it ends today, then they're playing the Buccaneers on the road. Um, but I think. Make mistake in my claim right now. I think that the Cowboys will be ousted in the divisional round. I think they win their wild card game, and this is it. Just if they don't win the division, which I don't think they will win the division, especially us, especially when you look at Philadelphia's schedule over the next few weeks. They got the the Seahawks tonight to wrap up Week 15 on Monday Night Football. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, interesting uh, stat of the day for you: the Seahawks. Uh, or the Eagles have not beaten Seattle in seven straight games, which is really weird to me. That's like one of the weirder head-to-head matchup confusion ones that I've seen. But I think they beat the Seattle Seahawks tonight. Uh, but then they got the, the 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 Eagles. They have the Giants, the Cardinals, and then the Giants again to wrap up the season. That should be three straight wins for the Giants, or excuse me, for the Eagles without even batting an eye, in my opinion. That should be, you know, three very easy victories for that team. Whereas the Cowboys... Uh, Dolphins, like I said, they're on the road at Miami, and then they play Detroit at home. Those are two very difficult games, and then they're at Washington. That should be a very winnable game as well. At the very least, I think the Eagles are going to win the division and force Dallas to play on the road as a wildcard team, um, and that'll be very interesting. I don't think, like, I think whoever they're playing in that wildcard game, because it's probably going to be uh, the Buccaneers, could be the Vikings, you know, one of those teams. There's basically, There's basically not a team in that wild card round that I would be nervous about if I were the Cowboys in that situation um outside of I will say outside of possibly and I don't even know how they would get to this they would probably they would have to win um the division which again very I mean they're they're even right now but it'd be very difficult given the schedule um but if they win the division end up being the two seed and then they take on the Rams that's a very interesting game I think that's a game that the Rams could go into into Dallas and find a way to win um the Rams have been 
really clicking on all cylinders. They've got all the pieces, I think, especially on the offensive side to pull off an upset like that. Two very, very good receivers in Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, and then Kyron John or uh, Kyron Williams has been a godsend for them on the run game. If he can stay healthy, uh, the Rams, a uh, scary team, to be honest with you, uh, to be facing in the playoffs. But I don't think that's going to be happening situationally. I think the Cowboys uh, have a wildcard spot and they finish the season in a wildcard spot. And I don't think there's a scenario in which any of these wildcard teams that they'll be taking on um, will beat them, you know, uh, and because none of them really offer that ground game that you would expect from a team that could really pound out the, um, the, the Cowboys, the way that the, uh, the bills just did. But again, I mean, I didn't think the bills had that in them to be honest either. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, but I do think, that Cowboys win their wild card game if they don't win the division. And I think they get ousted in the divisional round, to be honest with you. I don't think they get farther than the divisional round. I just think there's too many holes, especially with them traveling on the road, uh, if they don't win their division and whoever they play in that divisional round, um, they'll have to go on the road to play against if they haven't won their, the, their division. It's being a wild card team. They'll have to go on the road for that game. And they're just a different team. They're a team that cannot... Um, it feels like, and they, they did a good game. They had a good game against the Eagles on the road, but outside of that, there's just some very questionable games that they have played on the road that looked like two completely different teams, um, home versus away. So the Cowboys are interesting. I, I think that's a team that is more than likely going to, and I mean, this is, this has just been the Cowboys for the last 20 years, but I think is more than likely going to disappoint come playoff time, but we'll see. We'll see. I could be, I could be very much wrong. We'll see. It could all change very quickly. Um, and finally here, I want to comment really quickly. How about the backup QBs, huh? How about them backup? There's probably, I've said numerous times that obviously the most important position in the NFL is uh, quarterback, like no doubt, but probably second most important. Like I think I've said over the past few years that the second most important is probably defensive end. Uh, somebody that allows you to get to the quarterback with four without having to blitz. Um, and one of these really good starting QBs pick you apart have it by blitzing or whatever. Um, and I think having a defensive end or an edge rusher is probably the second most. But given all the injuries, I think you can make a very decent argument at backup QB being the second most important position in the league. Uh, you look at a guy like Jake Browning, who has really come around and come into his own in Cincinnati. That is a team that I don't know how much noise they're going to make in the playoffs, but they're going to ruin. They could very much uh, ruin some chances of getting into the playoffs as an AFC team. Play spoiler, if you will, because uh, that team, I mean, they're not bad. That's not a bad team with Jake Browning at the helm. Obviously, they're not the same team uh, with Jake Browning as they are with Joe Burrow, obviously, but that's still not a ter- like they haven't been playing terribly. And again, that is a team that I think could really ruin and they can still very easily make the playoffs. The AFC is a mess. Um, like I think there's one team that has clinched a playoff spot through 15 weeks here uh, and there's still seven available playoff spots and they're smack dab in the middle of that in the hunt graphic, if you will. Uh, one of the, you know, God knows how many eight and six teams in the AFC. Uh, and that is a team that I think can very much ruin some some playoff hopes. I don't know how much noise they would make if they actually got into the playoffs. Probably not a lot. They do have kind of a tough schedule, especially defensively um, or against defenses who are very good. Um, coming up, they have at Pittsburgh, who beat them already with Jake Browning at quarterback. Then they have at Kansas City. Obviously, that's a tough game. And then Cleveland. And Cleveland has also been one of those teams where a backup quarterback, like Joe, Fla- Joe Flacco, out of nowhere, just coming in. And kind of very quietly uh, been the 
the um, the Browns' best quarterback this year. I think I, I think I'll say even over Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think he has been uh, very very good for this team, and he's kind of ejected a little bit of life into this team. And uh, he's been a little bit dangerous, obviously at times. He's seen five interceptions, uh, and he threw what four or three yesterday or something like that. He didn't have the greatest game of all time, but he's putting them in games. Like I, I will say, I mean, uh, you know, a win against Jacksonville, a win against, a win against Chicago. Granted, a Chicago a game that Chicago probably would have won with the Hail Mary. Um, but again, I mean, just from out of nowhere, a team in their defense, Cleveland's defense is good enough to put them basically in every single game. If Joe Flacco can just be the Joe Flacco of old, then I mean, they're nine and five. They can very much make a run at a wild card position. They're in the driver's seat for a wild card position. I don't think they're going to catch Baltimore, um, but they're very much sitting pretty in the driver's seat uh, for a wild card position. So, um, yeah, just the backup QBs. I've been blown away. There's some. There've been, there's been some bad ones. Obviously, there's obviously been some bad ones. You know, Aiden O'Connell uh, isn't really anything to write home about. Trevor Simeon isn't really anything to write home about. Zach Wilson is obviously isn't really anything to write home about. Uh, Easton Sick, not really anything to write home about either. Tommy DeVito, he has his moments. He was the AFC Player of the Week last week. So, I mean, that's something. But then he goes against New Orleans, and this just kind of doesn't do anything. Um, so. You know, there's some bad ones, obviously, but there's been some like backup QBs that have kept the kept some teams in the race, if you will, in the hunt over the last few weeks that have really been kind of a godsend. I mean, the Vikings are still somehow in the hunt at seven and seven, and they haven't had Kirk Cousins since what week five, week six, week seven, something like that earlier in the season. Uh, and they're still somehow seven and seven on the air. I don't even know when they lost Kirk Cousins. I can't even remember. Um, but they're still sitting right there perfectly in the hunt, still able. And I don't think, I mean, the Vikings is probably like the perfect middle ground of these teams that have a good enough backup quarterback to make some noise in the playoffs, like the Bengals, the Browns, um, and the Vikings who are like, you know, they're kind of living off of where they got with Kirk cousins at that point. And then, you know, hoping that their defense can hold on to this point because Brian Flores has really turned around that defense. Um, and they're just hoping that they can hold on. Uh, but yeah, like the Browns, the Bengals, they can, and even the Colts, the Colts, I think are good enough with Gardner Minshew to kind of make some noise in the playoffs as well as, uh, as well, depending on their matchups, obviously. So we'll see backup quarterback, man, just quiet, just quietly becoming one of the most important positions, in the entire NFL, not quarterback, not starting quarterback, backup quarterback, Joe Flacco, uh, you know, Jake Browning uh, solidifying his spot is going to be one of these guys that's going to have a uh, backup quarterback position, maybe even a starting position, depending on who, what team we're talking about. But at the very least, a backup quarterback position for basically the rest of his career, it feels like. Um, all right. That, ladies and gentlemen, I think is going to wrap up the show. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, please remember to rate the podcast. Follow it on all those podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. Uh, hit the follow button. Leave a rating. I'd greatly appreciate it. We're not going to be no podcast next week, so don't be looking for it. Not going to have one next week for the Christmas holiday. Hope you all have a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. I want to thank you again for tuning in. This has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, and I have been your host, James Timberlake.